0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You
1: could spend the weekend doing the same
0: old whatever, or you could
1: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are previewing the Wolverines Fiesta Bowl matchup against number three TCU college football playoff semifinal. Uh, we'll be going down Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. I, I assume everyone listening probably already knows the date and the time I'm recording from Arizona. Steve's back in Michigan. We're going to talk keys to the game. Alejandro and I are going to do a kind of recap of the media side of things this week. We got more access than we usually get. Uh, to the Michigan football team so we'll we'll have a quick podcast kind of talking about some of the things we learned or the observations from this week but Steve you and I are going to preview this matchup against the Horned Frogs I already have the scouting reports up over at the Michigan Insider.com Michigan.247sports.com along with lots of other stories previewing this game but Steve what is the biggest key for Michigan's offense in this contest everyone knows I like, look at the numbers I like to kind of see how things look I think there's a major opportunity to run the football if Michigan can kind of pick up where it left off during the fall. But Steve, what's the biggest key for you for Michigan's offense to make the most out of this matchup and come away with the victory?
1: Uh, To me, I, I kind of along the lines of what you said with running the football, I think, you know, more than, I mean, more than some of the last four or five games that Michigan played in the regular season. This this game seems to fit be a good matchup on paper as far as like what Michigan's identity is, offensively, right? Definitely a game where like you know, I mean, no matter who they're playing, but if if Michigan had Corum and a healthy Corum and Edwards, I mean, I think this would be a game that that one or both of those guys would have huge games. Um, TCU is going to have to play above their head defensively against the run I mean they've pretty much said as much uh that they're gonna have to, f- to put more focus and, and, and more take more of an onus to stop Edwards uh Mullings Stokes whoever's running the football and force Michigan to to throw the ball so even then though I still think Michigan should be able to find some success running the football and this could be another game where J.J. McCarthy's legs could really be a big asset for them offensively. So, you know, not to sound too simple, but I mean, I just kind of think it's you stick to what's gotten you here, uh, at least coming out of the gate. But the good thing is now we've seen Michigan last three or four weeks really sort of expand their identity offensively a little bit. So, you know, I think that makes it tougher for a team like TCU, who, who has had some struggles defensively this season to really fully slow michigan's attack down
0: yeah i I think there's a big opportunity in the run game the last three games tcu played and and i guess take them for what you will but it was against baylor iowa state and then obviously kansas state in the big 12 title game they gave up a combined 596 yards six rushing touchdowns 596 rushing yards i should say six rushing touchdowns and 4.9 yards per carry those are really high numbers for like a team that is in the college football playoff. And TCU is great at a lot of things. And we'll obviously get to some of those, but stopping the run just really doesn't seem like one of them. Now I do think Michigan's going to have to play a very smart game in the run game because TCU, they have the three, three, five stack. Uh, They have really good run stopping linebackers, two of the, probably the one of the better run stopping linebacker duos in the country, or certainly on Michigan's schedule this season. Uh, and then you know they have a couple safeties that can really get downhill and and really good at like recognizing the the rush lane and where where the guy ball carrier is about to go. So so I do think you know Michigan's offensive line is going to have to like be really cognizant of of where different players are about to be. And you know it's not like the traditional like a Big Ten team will have like four or five guys right up against the four or five offensive linemen. Um, so on on the one hand, Michigan has a, a nice size advantage run plays but on the other hand I, I think tcu can be creative and and i would argue faster getting to the ball in especially in rushing downs you know plays where tcu is pretty sure michigan's gonna run so you know, I, th- I but i i still think this is just an opportunity michigan has to capitalize on if they can pick up where they left off against purdue and ohio state and really all season i i don't think there's been a game that you know, maybe that Illinois second half and obviously the Ohio state first half, I guess it, it you know, there has been without Blake Corum, there's been bits and pieces where the run game has had a lull, but, but at the same time, I think that this is this offensive line, the cohesion they play with. I think the time they've had to prepare, I mean, really, I I, I think the, maybe the number to watch in my head is 200 rushing yards. I mean, if Michigan gets, 200 rushing yards I really just don't see how they're going to lose this football game because I think there is an opportunity to get there and I think that would be indicative of the kind of success Michigan's run game is having Steve switching over to the pass game you know we, we know Michigan is not typically a, a pass to win kind of team but they are probably going to have to throw the ball a little bit especially the way TCU's coaches and, and players are talking about Michigan's run game, like. It, you almost need to keep TCU honest uh, and and so I think this is this is a game in my mind where you know JJ. McCarthy started to make some really good what I would call like NFL throws against Ohio State and really against Purdue. I thought that was maybe his best game. I don't know, but those two games back to back that that really started to show how much he has grown and how high of a ceiling he has, not just next year, but also. To close out this season what's what's jumping out to you or what's the biggest key for Michigan to kind of get what they need to get in the passing game
1: I think you need to milk the play action as much as possible right I mean they've made a concerted effort to talk about how much they want to stop Michigan's run game we've seen Michigan's pass play action pass has been very successful all season when they utilize it uh that just seems to kind of open up some more opportunities for Michigan in that regard, right? I mean, you know, that's why I said, I think McCarthy's sort of ascension the last two or three games has given Michigan a totally different dynamic. I think it's one we may have expected. I I think some people, a lot of people probably would have expected it to come to fruition a little bit earlier in the season, but, you know, obviously hasn't hurt Michigan at all that it maybe took a little bit longer, but now that he's really seems to have a, more of an all-around grasp, both throwing the ball, running the ball, making the right decision type deal. Uh, you know, I think Michigan has to just the the play action needs to be their bread and butter. And now, you know, with Eric all gone, Schoonmaker and, and Loveland are both healthy. Both are making plays. Uh, you know, Cornelius Johnson. I, I really think that the Ohio State game can kind of be a springboard for him. One guy too is Roman Wilson. You know who hasn't statistically been there necessarily the last four or five weeks, but I think at least I think he was kind of the, the unfortunate, uh, not unfortunate, but a guy who was wide open, I think on at least two of Michigan's long pass plays against Ohio state, you know, so, so he's getting open, uh, you know, so, so yeah, I think really uh, comes down to Michigan's ability in the play action pass. And, and again, it it should be there, in some capacity, right? I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't be. So, uh, yeah, Michigan. You know, we know they're going to try to come out and run the football, and and everybody knows that. And and that's to me, that's really what helps them throwing the football because the play action is just it's just such it's just a common sense move. Teams are just waiting and waiting to slow down your run game, uh, and then you just suck in that second level let your receivers get open and and move the ball down the field
0: yeah i think the play action can be valuable in this matchup and and they're gonna have time too you know not just in play action but but in other plays tcu not much of a pass rushing team uh they they usually only rush three several michigan players have made note of that already you know this is this is a team that that would much rather sit back and Kind of dare you to throw and and pick it off or get a hand on the ball? I think I saw they have seventy six pass defend pass defenses, so interceptions plus pass breakups compared to twenty six sacks. I mean that's a three to one ratio. I know Michigan's isn't that high, so I think this is this is a game where Michigan is going to have time, but you know they are going to have to be really accurate. You know I think the receivers are going to have to be really crisp with their routes. They might have to break their routes, too. TCU's got some fantastic cornerbacks, including uh, the Jim Thorpe Award winner for nation's best cornerback. And so, yeah, you might have to break your route. You might have to kind of change what you do or or just find a way to shake open. And that's where the chemistry, the increasing chemistry that J.J. McCarthy has with his receivers will really come into play. Also definitely feels like a game where Michigan should be kind of first read on a lot of plays should be the tight ends because I, I, I see you
1: yes yep. when
0: they give up a lot of pass plays it's it's kind of over the middle of the field and it's it's more safeties linebackers in coverage than the cornerbacks um and so I I think yeah first read Colson Loveland I think that will be there and and Luke Schoonmaker who uh I assume is just only getting healthier and healthier so it it's interesting because I think TCU's secondary is actually really dangerous just because of their ability to pick off passes because of their ability to, to you know, break up passes. But at the same time, the numbers would suggest, especially, you know, in the big 12, that, that a, a passing attack, that's really has breadth, lots of different players that they can throw to can have success over the course of the game.
1: hundred percent agree that I was going to butt in with the tight end comment because I think that this is this seems like a game where Michigan's tight ends you know it's it's not even about having a major statistical game it's about a sta- establishing that area of the field it's just it's all about forcing respect is what it is same idea that it is when you run the football you now you have to respect the run and it opens up things downfield if Michigan can get their tight ends involved TCU defense has to respect Michigan's ability in those short to intermediate routes, whether it's in the middle of the field or the short outs or or the drags across the field, whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's just push and pull. And and yeah, TCU seems very susceptible to being beaten down the seams. And again, could be a game where Colson Loveland makes a couple more plays, right? I mean, you know, we've seen his playmaking ability now two weeks in a row. You talk about a guy who's ascended in a big way. Schoonmaker gets an extra, what, three, four weeks to to rest up. I think he, he should be totally 100% ready to go uh, he to me he's quietly been one of Michigan's most valuable players all season uh, he like I said he really was playing that Jake Butt role uh, as a safety valve in the passing game for McCarthy uh, you can't understate with a team that can run the ball as as consistently and effectively as Michigan is how valuable it is to have that safety valve at the tight end spot that you can uh, who's going to make the catch who could could get you four or five more yards but either way you know, a lot of times you could be looking at third and two, third and one instead of third and six. So, yeah, I mean, I think the tight ends could be, yeah, could be in line for for a really productive game all around.
0: Right, exactly. And and I think, as you said, I think if there's balance, I think Michigan's going to be able to have success. I think if it's just the run game's working or, you know, the, the, there's incomplete passes downfield i think that's when you might see tcu start to kind of sense blood in the water start to dial up a little more aggressive couple other things i i want to point out i think one i do think michigan's going to have to be really ready to make adjustments every, every player we've talked to on michigan's offense so far about tcu has mentioned that this defense is not like anything they've seen before you know the 3-3-5 um ohio state does it a little bit with a with like a third safety on the field quite a bit, but it it is kind of interesting. Like, like they're going to rush fewer guys. They're not a team that gets a ton of pressure or gets a ton of sacks, but at the same time, there's not going to be a lot of openings to throw. So, so, you know, that's going to be adjustment. I think the run game, I think there's going to have to be adjustments and don't forget TCU. I mean, I don't think it's being forgotten, but they're, you know, they're 12 and one and they make a lot of really good halftime adjustments too. So I think there's going to have to be, I mean, this game's probably going to be won in the third, maybe even the fourth quarter. Even if you think Michigan is going to win, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not convinced TCU is going to go down early. I mean, really Michigan hasn't put anyone away early, even their their amazing, you know, blowout wins over Penn state, uh, Ohio state, Purdue state. I mean, you can kind of run down the list. Uh, they, they haven't really gone into halftime like, at cleaning someone's clock, it's usually the third and the fourth quarter. And that's kind of when TCU's defense shines too. They have so many fourth down stops. They have so many, you know, fourth quarter interceptions, you know, big plays that kind of sealed games for them. It hasn't been against a top five team. That's, that's fair to say, or even uh, a top 10 team, I suppose. But, but at the same time, you know, they, they are also have that same culture where they never feel like they're out of it. And then the other thing I was thinking about, you know, their tcu's defensive coordinator was talking about the other day uh last five games i believe teams are converting just 26 percent of third downs against the horned frogs so i think there is something to be said i mean you know and part of that is just avoiding a kind of like your phrase forcing respect like avoiding the third and nine third and ten where where they know exactly what play's coming or the is it
1: zach is it hard to imagine like if they're not a great pass rushing team, it's just it's just almost hard to fathom Michigan is gonna be in those positions a lot, right? I mean, isn't that kind of one of the keys to getting to to you know getting it, putting other teams in those situations, not even getting the sack, but just getting enough pressure to force the quarterback to get off yeah, rhythm or make away. a bad throw? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just just an odd, odd combo for well, T-C- hot... defensively in that regard. So
0: I mean their their bread and butter is forcing incompletions. Sure. And so and so if you know maybe this is an argument to be really run first to to set yourself up for less predictable downs but but theoretically even if Michigan has a, has the time and the opportunity to make a play and I will say it's not like TCU never gets pressure. I mean you know they're they're probably more they're probably a top 40 team in terms of like generating pressure. It's just less than what some of the teams Michigan has faced this season have been like, and it's just with fewer rushers. So I do think Michigan's going to have an opportunity to attempt passes, but I do think maybe get some short passes just so you're avoiding those third and tens, avoiding that, because I do think TCU knows how to dial it up. And I, and the other thing is, I think they're very opportunistic in the secondary. Like if you throw a lazy pass or are just trying to like, you know, do a, do a routine play or something, they're known to pick it off, so I think I think avoiding third downs is. is I mean, that's always a key, right? right? But I I do think this is a team that that will capitalize if you start to sweat or if you're on your heels, kind of in those third and third and stress situations. Uh, this is a defense that really seems to shine in those moments and fourth downs as well. Let's knock out a couple of these over unders. These are provided by our good friend Neil. Uh, he's been doing them all year, and and we usually do a story with with all of the picks as well but we do a couple in this these podcasts so far this season i'm 64 and 47 steve is 52 and 59 let's do this one 119.5 yards from scrimmage for donovan edwards boy this feels like i mean it feels like a very important over for michigan to hit but it also feels like a very attainable number for edwards i i somehow i think it is still underrated what he did against Ohio state and Purdue. I I wonder if maybe just because it only happened on like three or four big plays and like the, the in in between plays maybe weren't as, as consistently punishing, but 401 rushing yards and what, three touchdowns, four touchdowns against Ohio state and Purdue. And I don't know how much of a pass catching threat he'll be in this game. I would assume he is healthier than he was four or five weeks ago, but he is still wearing a splint or cast on his hand. We saw saw that in practice. But I'm still taking the over, partly because he's he's the guy in the run game right now. But also just because I do think he is very electric, he's explosive. And I think he, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think you and I had at times talked about you now. He's still he's still trying to iron out like the vision, the the patience. He's got all of that now. He is the complete package running back. I fully expect him to contend for every major award that he can next fall. And I think you're already kind of like McCarthy. You're It's coming early too. It's not just a 2023 deal. Uh, you're starting to see it already on these big stages. So I'm taking the over for this one.
1: Yeah, I am too. Again, I think his ability in the passing game could be a thing again. Didn't have to be the last two games. But, yeah, you talk about getting, getting all that time to heal uh, when you consider he played in those games while not being 100%. So, you know, he was already in a in a position where he could play and obviously be super effective. Got to think he's come quite a way since then. So, um, yeah, I'll take the over. I just have a hard time thinking that he, you know, he may end up having a huge game in this one. Uh, I just, this could be, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe the Ohio State game was sort of a national coming out party, but like I think this one on an even bigger stage could be another one. I just kind of have a hunch with him just based on what we've broken down about what TCU's defense specializes at, what they don't, how Michigan can attack. I just think he could be in position to have a huge game.
0: Yeah, and, and really 120, I'm not sneezing at it, but that's that's a low enough number where I, if Edwards didn't hit this, Michigan might be really pushed on the ropes here. I mean, I, I, I do think they need Donovan Edwards to, I don't think they need him to be good every single play, but he does need to make some big plays in this game for Michigan's offense to, I guess, score the requisite amount of points to win. All right, next one, J.J. McCarthy averages 9.0 yards per attempt I'll pull up some of his season-long numbers along with TCU's this season, but that tentatively feels pretty high in a yards-per-attempt standpoint. So I'm taking the under. Steve, how about you?
1: This one was a tough one. I think I'm going to go with the under as well. No real elaboration there. I just think they get it done.
0: So J.J. McCarthy is averaging 8.3 yards per attempt this season. I do think he's been better as of late, uh, but at the same time, I, I still... This just feels like a pretty high yards per attempt against Purdue It was 9.5 against Ohio state. It was 11.0. So I I get where Neil's coming from with this and it's going to be indoors. Like it's going to be climate controlled, kind of like the big 10 championship. And really the Ohio state game was pretty favorable passing conditions as well. But, but just knowing TCU, uh, knowing how they like to force incompletions, I mean, 9.0, I mean, this is one of those ones where, like, one 50-yard pass play. I was,
1: I was just going to say one big play could totally spin this one on its head for sure. And, and again, that play-action pass, I know PC, TCU seems to be a good, uh, excellent coverage team, uh, but that's where, you know, again, that's where having your focus on stopping the run, you know, and that play-action pass could, yeah, I mean, they could spin this on their, on, on its head and, and one or two plays could really change that whole thing. Well, it kind of did against Ohio State, right? I mean – you say he had 11, 11 yards per attempt yep. in that game i mean yep. there's three huge plays but three plays that were i think all three were play action passes were they not no the sorry the catch and run by johnson was not yeah, but the, the, the other two not. the yeah. other two were classic play action pass where the the receiver uh wide open so yeah, yeah. no i mean that that's where it, they could so that it, it's initially it feels high but yeah i mean If Michigan has any success running the football, it could easily end up being the over without McCarthy having to have a huge game statistically necessarily.
0: Two teams, by the way, have done exceeded 9.0 yards per attempt against TCU this season. Uh, Kansas state was at 10.1 back in October and two weeks prior to that. Also in October, Kansas averaged 10.3 yards per attempt. So it's doable. I I think I'm going to take the under though, just because I, I, I don't expect Michigan to be super high percentage completion percentage and that 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 will obviously way down the yards per attempt yards per completion I think could be very high but yards per attempt 9.0 is very doable it's just hard for me to predict like you'd have to be extremely bullish on on Michigan's passing attack to take the over on that one all right Last one for the offense. How about Michigan's two leading receivers combined for 139.5 yards? So is its it is two it two two guys who really jump out and have impressive games, or is it a more balanced attack? I think it needs to be somewhat balanced, period, because TCU's got a couple of really good cornerbacks. But, but I do think there'll be a little bit of a two-man game. I don't know who it's going to be, but I feel like Ronnie Bell's a safe bet to get 60-plus yards. And feel like Cornelius Johnson could be a safe bet, maybe a tight end, especially if if Luke Schoonmaker is healthier. I think I just kind of talked to myself into the under here, but I'm going to take the over because I I do think there will be a couple guys who really jump out in this game. Steve, how about you? This one might be the toughest one.
1: Two leading receivers. I'll say I'll say over again. Not a hundred percent sure how they'll get there, but I think I think the over. I, I could you know again. I don't know. This could be a game where like Schoonmaker has like seven or eight catches for 90 yards, something like that. You know? So I I don't know. Uh, Again, who, who would be that second one to step up? Could be right. That's the one thing with Michigan could be a, any number of guys. Honestly, we already talked about Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, Ronnie Bell obviously could easily be the one might even be the favorite to be that guy. But uh, yeah, I'll take the over. I, that, that, that one though is going to be tough. I don't know if that, you know, couldn't end up being on the wrong side. I'm 52 and 59. So, you know, I don't know how much <laughs> stock you can put into all these. But uh uh, but no, right. this one I'm gonna take the over.
0: So this one's also just a hard one to research. I mean, I haven't I haven't looked up the numbers for this stuff. I will when I do my written story, but like I'm trying to think like how often does that happen? Neil might know. I don't know. Regardless, we're gonna hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about keys for the defense, and of course our final predictions for this game. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while
1: supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I I think the offense, you know, the the, kind of the word I was always using this month was was opportunity. I think there's a very big opportunity for Michigan's offense to have success. They have to do it because TCU isn't a chump team by any stretch. But I did always feel like there was an opportunity there. Defense, I think things can get a little bit tougher. I mean, TCU's offense is is very good, uh, very efficient, and I think it's more balanced than people maybe give it credit for in terms of being able to run the ball. I think there's a lot of talk about how they're, they're a quick team. Uh, they they've got some they've got a pretty good offensive line. Averages 317 pounds. Averages six foot five and a half. All fourth year or more veterans. You know, Kendry Miller, he's a big dude. He, he does not look like someone who will be brought down easily. And then of course, everyone knows about the passing attack. They have, uh, what five, four, four pass catchers with four more touchdowns. Quinton Johnston is a projected first round pick, maybe even highest projected wide receiver, depending on where you go for your mock drafts or your, your NFL draft analysis. I mean, this, and, and everyone's talked about Max Duggan. I, if anything we said you've probably already heard as a listener. So Steve, what's the biggest key for this defense? It it does feel like an offense that is probably going to get some of it of its plays. You know, I don't think it's going to I don't think there's a a scenario where TCU's offense is is totally shut out, but Michigan's defense is also very good. So your biggest key on the defensive side of the ball for the Wolverines.
1: It felt like Kansas State limited Miller enough to be aggressive on Duggan there was a long stretch in that game where Duggan was basically ineffective really and and I think it's because because Kansas State was able to create and also just earn consistent pressure for yeah like I said long stretches particularly the middle of the game second third early fourth quarter uh, Kansas State really seemed to dominate the line of scrimmage And like I said, it was actually, I'd say dominate, but it was also just a lot of blitzing. Very, very aggressive defensively. Uh, You know, I think Michigan can, can get some of the approach, that level of pressure, and maybe not have to commit as many guys to get there necessarily. So, you know, the key there will be bottling if if they are able to get consistent pressure is to bottle duggan up which is where they made their big adjust tcu kind of made their adjustment right i mean that drive that he i think he literally ran them all the way down the field and scored i think i think that's going to be important and yeah miller is what almost 1400 yards and 17 touchdowns i mean i i don't think he's getting talked about nearly enough uh just across the board
0: he's not the same player but he kind of reminds me of like Clyde Edwards to like on that 2019 LSU team sure where he was just constantly overlooked because of how prolific the quarterback was how well known he was the passing attack it's like well it helps when you have a running back who somehow like quietly has 1400 yards in a season
1: yeah obviously Duggan is the star player but you know I, I think I think games like this really comes down to just slowing down that running game, making them as one-dimensional as you can. And I guess the other thing I'd throw in there too, and this is always just game-dependent, is Michigan needs to avoid the bad penalties in the defensive backfield. not saying it's been an issue, but I also have a hunch that TCU, and I feel like they did this quite a bit against Kansas State actually, a lot of like three- or five-step drops where they just – they just throw the ball down the field and and want to let one of their receivers make a play. And so obviously there's going to be a big onus on, on Michigan's defensive backs to not only make the play, but to do it without getting penalized. I mean, those are free first downs. So, um, you know, a little bit of what we saw with Michigan state and Keon Coleman, where their, their offense basically ended up becoming drop back and throw it up to Coleman and let him make the play. And I mean, and that was the only time Michigan state was successful in the game early was when Coleman made a couple one-on-one type plays, Johnston uh, clearly capable of doing something similar. So, you know, I think that's another thing as far as the actual just passing offense for TCU that I think Michigan needs to be careful of. And then maybe even a little little one, uh, Wiley's a really good tight end too. Uh, They definitely have a guy that they, they could put in the seam. And make some catches and, and do some stuff with the ball afterwards. So yeah, they're they're very multifaceted offensively. I mean, this will be a different challenge for Michigan, because I don't know if you agree. I think Duggan has a lot of those intangible type things that Michigan hasn't really faced at quarterback. I I think I think you could argue maybe a guy like Sean Clifford has some of those intangibles, but Duggan is a is a better quarterback in his
0: Desmond much... Howard called him a right-handed Tim Tebow. And Jesse oh. Minter said he loves that comparison. Okay,
1: yeah, I can. Well, that, I mean, that kind of plays into what I said. I mean, yeah, he's got the, a lot of very gritty. I don't know. The other yeah, I, well, it's just hard not to go back to that drive, when right? They scored against Kansas State. I know they end up losing the game, but but you can't look at a drive like that and say those are the kind of guys that you have to. He's gonna. You're gonna have to try to beat him. Uh, he, he's gonna keep. He's gonna basically be a thorn in your side throughout the game however it, whether it be throwing the football running the football whatever uh you know you're gonna have to stop him so and like I said I I don't know you know don't really think Michigan has faced somebody like that this year at quarterback so uh you know that's where I think he that like overall they present a lot of individual challenges but I think yeah, at the end of the day it comes down to really stopping stopping Duggan right right 30 touchdowns 30 touchdowns and four interceptions I mean not a guy that makes a lot of mistakes you know so
0: yeah and it really as a runner too he has six touchdowns and two fumbles I mean so you're talking about 36 touchdowns I don't even know if those fumbles were necessarily lost I mean six like turnovers to 36 touchdowns this season I mean that's that yeah he's been a instrumental I mean he's a Heisman runner-up for for a reason right so it's uh he's I think there's two things that, that he does that Michigan is is not quite used to. One, everyone's talked about his mobility. I mean, he's not someone that, that he understands where the pressure's coming from. He's not going to waffle. He actually is like pretty decent as a passer under pressure. His completion percentage is low, just like every quarterback under pressure, but but he he will throw it way downfield under pressure. And if not, then he'll take off. And Michigan really hasn't faced, you know, Penn State. Sean Clifford is probably like the closest comparison for his mobility, but but Talia, in t- statistically, from Maryland, is the only other quarterback with even comparable rushing yards that Michigan has faced this season. And and Duggan has more. Now he's played more, but but at the same time, you know, he has more rushing yards. He has more scramble yards. I think he has 200 scramble yards on 26 attempts this season. And I think he has 580 sack-adjusted rushing yards. So there's some some design runs in there too. So yeah, staying in your pass rushing lanes. I mean, every edge rusher that's talked to us for the last month has mentioned that. Uh, but also, I th- I think the defensive backs have to be really well coordinated and in communication because I I don't think that there's I think there's a lot of quarterbacks Michigan faced this season where if they push them to the right, the routes on the on the left side of the field aren't aren't still relevant or, you know, cer- there's certain routes that become like non-factors in the play. I don't think TCU operates that way. I think even if if Duggan is way under pressure, you know, I mean, there could be a defender like with a hand on his arm and he might still try to sling it 30 yards downfield or, or, or even shorter, but he'll, he'll try all of those throws that I think a lot of big 10 quarterbacks are kind of coached. Don't, don't do that. And, and part, I mean, part of it is Duggan makes mistakes. You know, I talked to a couple of TCU writers and they're like every game he makes like some boneheaded mistake and you're kind of like, what was that? And that's part of why they've had to make these comebacks. But at the same time, I don't think any play is ever done until the whistle blows. So I think Michigan has to have that, that mindset, especially in the passing game where, you know, don't, don't stop covering your defender or your receiver just because Duggan's on the run and, and and doing all that and, and uh, obviously don't stop going after Duggan either because he will, he will scratch and claw his way to the first down uh, pretty much every time. So, so yeah, I think that those are the kind of the biggest keys in the passing game. I mean, you're, you're very right. TCU's got a lot of big receivers who are not going to back down from a 50, 50 ball or from a catch in traffic. So that's, that's something Michigan's secondary is going to have to be privy to. I do think the the biggest like differentiator from if Michigan wins or if they don't is how they stop the runs up the middle. TCU averaging more than three yards before contact per carry this season. I have not seen anyone's on Michigan anyone on Michigan's schedule with a number comparable to that. I don't even see very many teams above two. Uh, but 3.0 yards before contact per carry this season. Really efficient running the ball up the middle between the tackles. Um, very effective at it. Not not something that you usually see like six yards per carry off the left guard, things like that. So that's where like the big experienced offensive lines come into play. But Michigan is arguably the best run-stopping up-the-middle team in the country of 219 Power 5 defensive tackles who have played enough snaps this season. Chris Jenkins, Mozzie Smith, Mason Graham rank first, fifth, and 13th out of 214 Power five defensive tackles in run stop rate, and that a stop rate is determined as a as a failure run, so a run stuff. if it's not a tackle for loss, it's like one or two yards like three top fifteen defensive tackles out of over two hundred. so you're talking about a Michigan defensive line that that really is changing games based on its ability to run up or stop the run up the middle because Ohio State and Purdue both threw for more than three hundred yards. I think they both exceeded three forty, but neither could consistently generate anything up the middle. And so they were fully leaning on the pass game. And, and then you saw over the course of the game, Michigan started to get better defending the pass. You know They might have got hit with some big plays early, but over the course of the game, they started being able to premeditate. They started being able to kind of sit back and try to make a pick or a pass breakup. And so I think for Michigan to, to win over four quarters on this side of the ball, I think it starts with stopping the run up the middle. If TCU is able to run the ball up the middle – like it has all season, Michigan will very much be on its heels. But if if Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Mozzie Smith, as well as, you know, the linebackers filling in and the and the edge rushers, I think stopping runs up the middle is, is paramount to Michigan winning. I think I think they can get away with I mean if TCU has a good day passing the ball, I think Michigan can still win. I think Michigan can still win if TCU has some good runs to the outside. That's not really their style uh when they when they run the ball, but but I think Michigan can still, be a, can still limit how much TCU can score because the only stat that really matters for defense is points allowed. But I do think running up the middle, I think if TCU is able to do that consistently, suddenly that's where I think those, those drives, those plays TCU is capable of. That's where you start to see the point totals increase. I don't want to say like the in-between plays because they're all, they're all important, but being able to run up the middle – and just knowing how good they are at it, and how good Michigan is at stopping it, that feels like one of the most important strength versus strength matchups in this contest. Steve, any other keys for Michigan's defense? Or cut the head off the dragon? Yeah, go from there, right? I
1: mean, it's like and that's a credit to TCU that they've gotten this far. You know, on uh, not on the back. Yeah, a lot of teams of, have one.
0: tried to cut the head off the dragon. You know, yeah, and they. Duggan they had un- a great uns- year last year. It's not like he was he was a, a nobody or or anything. Yep. So. Yep. No. Um, so I,
1: yeah, I think that that's for Michigan defensively. I think that's what it comes down to, but yeah, I mean that, you know, how many years, you know, we see Bama, we see these teams, Georgia last year, being able to run the football and being able to stop the run. If you do it successfully, you're going to win a high high percentage of your games. Right. I mean, that's, that's why we can see CJ Stroud out throw for 400 last year. No interceptions and lose by two touchdowns. You know, so I just yeah, it's and that's where Michigan Michigan's been so successful there. I just I, you know, it just seems like they're primed to be able to do both of those things on Saturday again, you know, but yeah, those the numbers of you know, like Jenkins not surprising. Again, I I've, I've said all year he's their unsung hero. Uh fully 100% believe that. Uh you know, and 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 just the the turnaround for their the middle of their <laughs> defensive line say look look at three or four years ago compared to where it is now it's 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 quietly been one of the bigger reasons why michigan has had major as much success the last two seasons as they have
0: yeah yeah that that nine on seven drill you know rebranding it to the beat ohio drill and and obviously the strength and conditioning that goes behind it too i mean their ability to run the ball and stop the run and you could even look in previous season i mean i i I I might look it up after this podcast. I mean Jim Harbaugh's record when allowing you know fewer than 150 rushing yards or running for more than 150 yards. Like it it's it's just uncanny. It's like that's certainly now it's it's a major key, but but even even back before I guess this latest successful wave, that was a that was a huge key. That was that was how Ohio State beat Michigan even even with all the passing highlight plays because they still had them the past 2 years. It's the runs up the middle and and really the run game overall. But but I guess speaking to TCU and knowing that they're probably one of the better teams in the country running between the tackles so far on paper, uh, you know, and how that matches up against Michigan. For better or worse, that will be a determinant of Michigan's fate in this contest. All right, let's knock out some of these over unders. Speaking of. Defense allows 5.0 yards per rush from TCU's running back. So Duggan's not a part of this. Uh, it's, it's Miller and, and their backups. 5.0 yards per carry. So far this season, Kendra Miller is averaging 6.2 yards per attempt. Uh, his backup, Amari De Mercado, 5.2 yards per carry. I'm going to take the under. I really think Michigan has the best run defense in the country may georgia probably could have a case i'm not trying to start that debate but i do think this is something michigan really shines in so i'm gonna take the under steve how about you
1: same pick same reasoning i just it's that's one of those like you know we'll do our predictions here in a bit obviously you know i'm gonna pick michigan to win i think um this is one of those if, if this ends up at the over then this game's either a lot very very close or or tcu comes out on top because, I, yeah, I mean, this is what Michigan has found success on all season. And, uh, you know, they've just been too stout in the middle. Barrett's playing his best football. Probably could argue Colson's playing his best football, too. So it's not just those defensive tackles in the middle. I mean, you know, Michigan's front seven is, is has been excellent against the run. So
0: I'll take the under. All right, next one, 79.5 receiving yards for Quinton Johnston. I'm taking the over. I I think I've been taking the over on the individual receiver yards for a few weeks now, because Ohio State I mean their their two main guys had more than 100 yards. Uh, Charlie Jones I don't remember exactly how many yards he ended up with, but it was he was pretty effective. I think Michigan's secondaries is, is you know talking to Steve Klinkscale yesterday and and Mike Sainer still as well. They're not happy with how they're they've played lately. They're they're probably like the one position group that is. Is truly like dissatisfied with how things are. And 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 that both of them acknowledged like it's about how things look at the end. It's not about yardage, it's about points. So there is something to be said for holding both Purdue and Ohio State under 25 points. But they both are well aware that that there were some big plays. And that put Michigan's defense in a position where they had to, you know, really make some gotta have it plays, both in the red zone or just like in their own territory. And I think Johnson's just really good. I mean, you know, he's he's a tough cover. He's had a great season. I think he has over 900 yards. Uh, he's projected. I think I've seen him projected as a top 10 pick at times. So he'll probably get his. Now, like I've said in previous episodes, if he gets 100 yards, but it takes like 13 targets for him to get there, Michigan's going to be feeling pretty good. But I do think he's going to get yards. The one thing that is interesting is I do think TCU's kind of like Michigan, where they... There are six guys that they're extremely comfortable throwing the ball to and who will make plays for them. You mentioned the tight ends. They have four receivers with four touchdowns or more, but I still think Johnston's going to get his. I, I I would not be surprised if TCU threw for 300 yards in this game. I mean, Purdue did it, Ohio State did it. Like, even if I, I, not to give away my pick, but even if I think Michigan's going to win, I still think TCU's going to get, make some plays in the passing game. So, Steve, 79.5 receiving yards for Quinton Johnston, what say you?
1: I'm in agreement with you again, just because, yeah, I think they just, I think he's the guy I think they're just going to try to keep feeding it to him. And uh, yeah, I think he gets there from a yardage standpoint, you know, and I, yeah, what I felt like Charlie Jones had like 300 yards receiving for Purdue in that game. I mean, he, he was their whole offense for a really long stretch of the game. Uh, But yeah, you know, like you said, both both Purdue and Ohio State have had decent success throwing the football against Michigan uh, hasn't amounted to much necessarily. You know, I don't think that means it's a it's a bad sign if Johnson goes hits on the over. you know, but yeah, I mean, I again, I think you're gonna see a lot of couple of things like I said that what TCU did against Kansas State was just three step drop and just throw it up, you know and and it worked sometimes and it didn't work other times. I think the I can't remember the name of the k state defensive back it was a one they were one-on-one all game uh and they it really reminded me of uh jordan lewis and aaron burbridge
0: yeah i was just gonna say right
1: yeah you know because like they they it was one-on-one and each guy made like a handful of of pretty big plays i know johnston in in the one stretch made a made a big catch but then the defensive back after he got beat got up and then stripped the ball from him and kansas state got it back i mean it was just a really a uh, fascinating one-on-one sort of game within the game type deal. So, you know, I could see like a similar deal as far as like them trying to just basically force feed Johnston the ball because he'd probably their best offensive threat, uh, you know, outside of Duggan, obviously. But as far as like, you know, that secondary guy that's going to have the ball, I think he's the guy. So I'll take the over.
0: By the way, Charlie Jones had 162 yards against Michigan. On sixteen targets though, like so like it, or eighteen targets. I don't think they had success against, I mean, they, I don't think they, they were patting themselves on the back for their performance against Jones, but but you know, Johnston. Real quick, Steve, who would you put on him? Obviously it's not gonna be the same person all game. Has Will Johnson emerged enough in your mind that, that that's the guy who gets the call against a six foot four two hundred and fifty two two hundred and fifteen pounder versus DJ Turner? I, I think yeah. I think you start with Johnson, right? I I, I guess you do. I mean,
1: you know, biggest thing is, you know, we talk about guys who have emerged. It wasn't just that Johnson had two interceptions against Purdue. It was the type of reads and plays that he made on the ball on those interceptions that those are veteran type picks. That's elite ability, you know, to, again, to not just come down with the actual interception, but to, to, to read the play like he did. So, you know, I, yeah, I think that big question really turns into is is Will Johnson Michigan's best cornerback right now, and I, I think you could argue he he has been for the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, I got you know not only has he been the best court, but just size wise he matches up better. Yeah, than anybody that's... else does, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, I think logically, yeah, I mean, I think he's. Gonna, I, I I put it this way: I think Saturday, I think you're going to see a fair share of Will Johnson covering him for sure, whether it's uh, exclusive or. You know, whatever. I think. I think you're going to see a lot of Will Johnson, Johnson on Johnson, on Saturday.
0: There you go. All right, last one of these predictions, kind of giving away a little bit of our picks, but Michigan is up by 3.5 points at halftime. I think I'm going to take the under. I don't. I don't know what the season average is, but it it feels like it's around 3.5. I, I kind of expect this game to be close at halftime. I, you know, I really run through Michigan's entire schedule. How many teams were they really blowing out? at halftime. Not Penn State, not Ohio State, not even Purdue, not um I don't know, <laughs> there's a bunch. I keep going going through them. So I'm going to take the under on this one. I I think I think this game's going to be decided I kind of already said this in the in the first half of this episode, but I think this game's going to be decided by which of these teams that really prides itself in how it plays in the second half stands up and and just keeps pushing all the way third quarter, fourth quarter if necessary. I don't think TCU is the kind of team that goes away. The proof is in their schedule. And Michigan is a team that that really is strong enough for four quarters to the point where they are str- they look stronger in the fourth quarter than in the first quarter. And the proof is every game they've played this season. Who knows? Maybe I mean one touchdown deficit really isn't that big and that would be more than 3.5 points, but I'm going to take the under on this one. Steve, how about you?
1: Uh, I'll take the over, but, but yeah, your last sentence kind of not spoiled it, but, like, yeah, I'm thinking, like, I think Michigan may be up by, like, a touchdown, touchdown, a field goal, maybe, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, has, yeah, has there been a game where Michigan's been, I mean, you could go all the way up and down the schedule, and like, what, maybe, ne- was it Nebraska, maybe they were Comfortably ahead by halftime, but like even like Rutgers uh, was a game for yep, a down at chunk half. Of the, yeah, oh, yeah, well, that's right. They were down. That's why I, was, I knew that game like stood out in my head for some reason. Like, you know, consistently been close uh, in the first half. And I'm sure that's, I mean, obviously that's a trend. I think Michigan would love to buck in this game, but you know, they may also be facing. Probably, eh, I don't know. Ohio State would probably beat TCU on a neutral field. But but still, one of the two or three best teams they played this year easily. Probably the second-best team. But either way, uh, I'll say over, but only like because, like again, I think touchdown versus field goal type deal, uh, I think Michigan will be slightly ahead.
0: All right, finally, final score prediction and any additional thoughts you have on this matchup? I think if you're
1: Michigan, I think the one thing that – maybe gives you a little bit of pause is TCU has played in a ton of really close games this year. Michigan's had, when we're talking about over the course of four quarters has had one against Illinois. You know, I, I, so, you know, I think if you're Michigan, I think, or a Michigan fan, I think you're, if this game is close, like if this game's within a field goal going into the fourth quarter, I think you, you know, you're uneasy anyway, but like, TCU has been doing this all season. I know they didn't do the last time they were on the field, they weren't able to finish, but, you know, having experience in those types of situations can, can really pay dividends in these types of games. So, you know, that's one thing that being said though, I just, I just feel like Michigan, I think this will be a vintage type deal. I think they just grind. I think they just grind them down over the course of four quarters you know, I think they're able to run the ball successfully enough to open up some of that play-action pass while, like I said, you know, you got Schoonmaker, Loveland, potentially Edwards as a as a passing threat. So, And then the, the defensive side of the ball starts in the middle with those three guys you mentioned. Uh, even a guy like, you know, Jalen Harrell is a really good run stopper. I mean, again, we I think the thing we've talked about all season with them up front is they just have such a variety of ways they can attack you. You know, yeah, well, to Harrell's credit, what he had two sacks against Purdue. I mean, he's, you know, talk about a guy who's been playing some really good football, uh, the last month or so. You know, but just, I think Michigan has too much depth up front defensively. And I think they grind TC, I think they're able to grind the TCU defense down, uh, over the course of four quarters. So I'm going Michigan 38, TCU, uh, 27. I think Michigan, semi comfortable win and, uh, they'll be playing for the national championship. Kind of hard to believe that we're saying that, but yeah, I mean that's uh that's where I think it goes. 38-27 Michigan.
0: Sure. I really like your point about the close game thing. Michigan really has only had to sweat out one victory this season. TCU maybe a little bit more like Michigan last year. You know, there were a lot of games last season for Michigan where they were down with with uh, you know minutes to go or in overtime or you know, on the road and kind of on the ropes too. this year, Michigan really hasn't had to have that. So I do think if this game's close, you know, that, that is definitely uh, a major factor to watch, but I'm kind of with you. I, I think that uh, I think that it's, it's just hard for me to believe Michigan doesn't run the ball really well and stop the run in this game. I, I have done the scouting reports. I've done the, you know, talk to the players and of both sides. I just, I feel like Michigan's trench play is going to shine in this game. and. Generally, when Michigan's trench play shines, Michigan wins. I mean, that's look at the last two seasons. So, yeah, I've got Michigan winning. You know, the the score, it seems like every time I think about it, I think a little differently. But right now I've got Michigan 34, TCU 21. Uh, I think that Michigan, the other factor I would throw in here, it can always change. It's one game away from changing. But the two teams that Michigan played this season that were ranked, and, you know, truly, like, people didn't know what was going to happen or, or toss-up or whatever, Ohio State and Penn State, and you could argue, I mean, Michigan just looked significantly better than both of those teams. You could parse through it, you know, I know both games were close at halftime, and Ohio State, I think if they ran it back, I think it would be a closer game. But at the same time, the, to score 20-plus point wins, in, really against the only two top 10 teams you faced all season, That says to me that those closer games, you know, the the Illinois, the Maryland's, That was maybe more Michigan kind of playing with its food. And then you saw in the big games, they had this big game, big stage mentality. Donovan Edwards, J.J. McCarthy. You know, I think some of the defensive players will Johnson, obviously, in the Big Ten championship game. But you could probably point at a few different positions where guys really brought their best Add in. The return of Mike Morris, improved health of of guys like Luke Schoonmaker, Olu Olu Oluwatimi. Yeah, this just feels like a game Michigan's going to win. So I've got Michigan 34, TCU 21. Steve, I don't know about you, I'm not dismissing the notion that Michigan could actually, you know, really pull away in this game either. I think TCU could make it close. I just don't see a scenario where TCU wins. And I do see a scenario where maybe Michigan turns a lot of heads with its performance as well.
1: I I, I agree. I think... <clears throat> Just again with the way that Michigan grinds, you know, this does feel like one of those games where I'm not sure TCU is elite enough defensively. Where if if say Michigan gets a couple three and outs or a couple or a few short drives in a row, that they that they can't go down and score. Maybe say two out of those three possessions, right? I mean that that's that's kind of what is interesting to me. And here's the other thing too, and I you know we don't talk. A lot about this but but i, I always it always kind of brings me back to basketball uh in the tournament when I would always you know i always when Michigan had john b line was like I always felt like Michigan had the coaching advantage, and I think Michigan has the coaching advantage in this game too, and I don't really think you can understate something like that in games like this, so you know that's another area where. It's different when Michigan's playing a team like Georgia, when you talk about coaching advantage versus, you know, when 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 like Georgia's roster is is just stocked full of future NFL players and NFL contributors, you know, where maybe that coaching, that potential coaching advantage could be negated a little bit. Uh, this is a game I think Michigan's got a coaching advantage, and I think that's another area where, you know, it, it's hard not to imagine Michigan's not going to have – the best game plan they can. I mean, I, I still think a lot about this year's Ohio State game, as far as how much motivation did Ohio State could, could not have had any more motivation to try to win that game, um, and and Michigan really again outcoached Ohio State in in a big way for four quarters. So that's another kind of angle I always kind of think about. But I totally agree though, where that was another thing against Kansas State is is once Kansas state, like I said, there was that stretch in the middle of the game where Kansas state was getting a lot of pressure on Duggan. I mean, TCU was giving the ball back like nothing. Uh, the difference was Kansas state or TCU was able to slow or kind of keep Kansas state's offense in check for the most part as well. Whereas, you know, I think Michigan better offensive team than Kansas state, more explosive, more diverse, definitely. Um, uh, you know, I think, like I said, I think you could see a situation, potential situation where, yeah, Michigan could score in a couple consecutive drives and uh, force TCU to, you know, play, not not desperate, but, you know, play, maybe have to go away from their game plan a little bit. And that's when you play into Minter and, and Michigan's hands defensively, I feel like.
0: Yeah, another, another good point and certainly something to watch, you know, not just at the beginning of the game, but also coming out of halftime. You know, the the adjustments that, that both coaching staffs are going to make. All right, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 7 podcast. We have so much preview content over at the Michiganinsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. If you're interested in this game, which I assume if you're listening this far in, you are, uh, be sure to check it all out. I'll also have a, a quick podcast with Alejandro uh, later this week or leading up to the game, just kind of detailing some of the things that jumped out to us about. Uh, you know, the media side of things and what we learned maybe about Michigan when the Bulls kind of you know, they, they have more media access than Michigan is usually uh, putting together so lots of interesting stuff over at the website and here where you get your podcast. this has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast we'll see you after the game
1: from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog a new hero arrives
0: I am ready, ready.
1: Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus.
0: Yes!